another episode of the anarchist experience episode 335 aka year seven week 33 uh, coming at you this week as always i'm your host mr richie rich along with mc and ks and since this is your live clubhouse show uh if you want to get involved with the show you got to follow me on clubhouse at riches for rich r-i-c-h-e-s the number four r-i-c-h or find our club uh the anarchist experience and uh, I know you were having, you were saying like we sounded a little bit louder on the right ear, uh, MC. Jimmy on the on the board comes a little higher in on the left side, so I don't know what the deal with that is either. It doesn't <laughs> doesn't balance at all, uh, but we're we're a little bit more balanced now. Um, to get into the show, oh no, I'm getting an echo on your guy. When you guys pop a oh, earphone out, no, I I made the mistake of turn it down, turn the volume down there. Yeah, yeah, okay. <laughs> I, I didn't need to turn that at all. <laughs> I just uh, wanted to see who always was on board. Nobody. Yeah, j- just <laughs> us at the moment. Occasionally, people like pop in and out, uh, but it's not. It is not moving to Clubhouse has not been the boon for participation that we had hoped it would be. That being said, uh, we are on Clubhouse at Richie's. Did you Rich. send pings to people? Because sometimes they join when when they get pinged and reminded of it. And and also it, it helps on Clubhouse to be already famous before you start. It's right. kind of like Twitter. So I don't have, I don't follow a lot of people and therefore not a lot of people follow me on Clubhouse. So th- there's only like four people that I can ping. So until more people start following me to, that I can ping to get in, um, if you have more followers that you can ping since you guys are in the room, uh, you know, I'll leave that up to you. But there's only, you know, there's only like three or four other people on my side. And again, it's not going to be, not going to be the boon of participation at the moment. But we carry on because, hey, without your participation, this show goes on because we have other things yeah. to talk about. Uh, we, could, and, we could get Ron Paul to, to join and then everybody, like, actually, he's not on Clubhouse, is he? <laughs> is he? I don't know. Uh, settle for uh, Ron Paul Light, get Rand Paul in there. There you go. Or, or Joe Rogan. So can someone ping Joe Rogan? Yeah, there you we, go. We can talk about right, fucking yeah. horse medicine and horse dewormer. I think he's... Got enough uh, followers on his other uh, social media, though, so he's probably not worried about Clubhouse. Yeah, sons of bitches. All right, well, help you know, raise the little guy up, man. It's not. It's not like we're new to this. We just suck at it. All right. That being said, we do have some stuff to talk about here, and the first thing to cover. You sent me a video, uh, MC, uh, for a a conference that was held in was Colombia. The Liberty International yes. Conference or whatever for 2021. Mm-hmm. And you guys, both of you, attended this conference and you saw these speaks, these speeches live and in person. Uh, MCU, I guess you did the video recording and you sent it over to me and you said, check a look at these. And I said, well, okay. Like, is it something that I need to do right away so we can discuss it on this show? And you said, yeah, it might be a good idea. So I did. I watched them both earlier today before, uh, you know, while I was at work. And so the first one, is from uh, Mikhail Svetov, and I guess the title of the speech is To Tame a Leviathan, Contract Jurisdiction, and Civil Rights. Now, I don't know if that title is really reflective of what he was talking about in the speech, but that's what it is if you wanted to look it up for yourself on YouTube. Um, I watched it, and I, I asked him, like, you know, is this something you want to discuss on the show? And you said, well, maybe something to argue about. And I went, ooh, like, you know, provocative. I'm, I'm intrigued. And I watched the video, and I, I personally agreed with damn near everything this gentleman said in the video. Um, but apparently you, you have some nuanced opinions about it, and KS, you took offense to it, or I've heard. Is that, is that, that's not a fair way to describe it. Please correct me. Um, uh, that's fine. Yep. Okay. So, do you, you know, since you guys were there live, uh, do you, either one of you want to summarize what he said 
um, and then what you take issue with and what your nuanced opinion is. And then I'll, I'll jump in where I can um, to like to you know, basically just reiterate his points because I, I found them to be quite valid. Um, since you're fresh and you just watched it, um, if you want to summarize it, that'd be fine. Okay. Tell, um, me, tell me what your thoughts are. Well, he basically, to not mix words, he basically called most libertarians useless, right? Uh, he said, like, the libertarian, the libertarians themselves are mostly useless creatures when it comes to taking down the state. And he, he said that, you know, he, he quoted, like, uh, was Barry Goldwater, uh, you know, uh, extremism uh, in the in the pursuit of liberty is no vice, and moderation is no virtue, right? Mm-hmm. And he said that he's in a room full of libertarian moderates who won't do anything, um, you know, basically when the shit hits the fan. And the other big thing that stuck out was he said, like, live and let live or what? Like, libertarians right. want a society where they can live and let live, but if other people aren't going to let you live the way you want, what are you going to do yeah. about it? So, uh, so one thing that you just said there is when shit hits the fan. And it's kind of important to point out that there is a distinct difference between when the shit hits the fan. And that's where he lives. You know, He comes from Russia where the shit hit the fan. He doesn't even have the right to uh, peacefully assemble. And so therefore... That's one of the reasons why his ideas are spreading uh, so successfully in Russia is because there's opposition to him and there's always drama surrounding him whenever he does try to speak. And so if he was to come to the U.S. and try to speak, uh, nobody, would, nobody would try to stop him and nobody would care. So, <laughs> so he wouldn't get any publicity for, for being arrested for just talking because nobody would arrest him. Okay. So... Um, yeah, so that and that, that is a problem. Actually, I, I my my comment on YouTube was was exactly that. It's like, well, to get more libertarians, I could vote to limit free speech. You know, I could get the government to uh, get involved in every every media post, and and then a whole bunch of people would be against that, and more people would become libertarians. Um, we'd have less freedom, but we'd have more libertarians. So, <laughs> well, I, one of the things he also said is like, you know or maybe this was part of the second video, it was like, you know, pick your battles, right? Like, not not every issue is worthy of that sort of fight. Um, sure. But but he's he's calling people that that have more freedom useless. It's like, well, we're, we're basically free. So, you know, there's... We, we could definitely you? mess that up. Okay. We could... Well, yeah, and that's, and that's kind of my other point, is um, how much freedom uh, is acceptable for you or how, how free can you live your life given the circumstances? And so one of the right. other, one of the other speakers, uh, his name was Tuan. He, he's a, a professional uh, at helping people uh, avoid taxes in Denmark, I think it was. And, and so he, he, re- he read a book about uh, what's, what's, what's that book that he, I forgot the name of the how, book, how to, how to, be free. Oh, how, how do I found freedom in an unfree world was that's Harry Brown's Brown. book. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, and that's another way of, you know, looking at, at the world, you know, you can, you can be free as long as you don't, uh, you know, rise up against the state and cause a whole bunch of drama. And so this, this guy, uh, Mikhail has been arrested multiple times and it's actually helped him. It's helped. It's actually boosted him up <laughs> because of the unfortunate, uh, transgressions against him um but uh it's it's making him popular so right um so i don't you know when, when he says libertarians are useless there's another way to look at it too another perspective and and he actually said it in his video he said libertarianism is basically uh philosophers economists or what was the other one i can't remember politicians um politicians mm, was it okay yeah. maybe no it was and and he said and he said, normal people just aren't those. Right. And I agree. It's like, you know, libertarianism in, in one way is just, a, is, is a lot of it's philosophical. Now it's, now it's usually a, a good philosophy to follow, um, but most people aren't those things. So um, I, I wouldn't say it's a useless philosophy. 
You know, I mean, that's one of the reasons why we're here is somebody else came up with the philosophy. And Well, I don't think he called the philosophy useless. I think he called libertarians useless. Right. right. So as, as a political organization, sure, I, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But, um, you know. What about as a non-political I, label placed on people who believe uh, a certain way? Right. Because so I, I don't so, think he's so only calling the politicians useless. Anyway, all I'm saying is there's multiple ways of looking at it. There's, right. um, and, and so if you want to point out what is, what, what we haven't been good at is maybe politics. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's just one part of life. Okay. What, what, during his speech, I was, you know, I had talked to them earlier and I kind of knew what he was talking about, but he, he gave nice visuals of, um, video material of his of his big crowds across Russia and and uh, you know, biggest the, libertarian speeches in history well okay i mean okay there's, there's something to be said about that uh, because it was all in russian so i don't know if it was if it was libertarian or not he, since he made such an enormous show of hans hermann hoppe i challenged the fact that it was um necessarily libertarian stuff i I have big issues with uh, with Hans Hermann Hoppe. Nevertheless, I was encouraged in all the things that he did, and then his speech t- suddenly turned hostile against his own audience, saying that you know that uh, he, very hostile, saying that the people at that at that conference were uh, useless and harmful because they were just not uh, uh, helping at all. And I thought that was just extremely perverse that he would take the forum that was put together by a whole lot of people to you know uh, bring together people from all around the planet to talk about ways of advancing uh, libertarian ideals and then attack them i thought this was well very ungrateful and and perverse because what they were what he was saying i felt was that everybody had to be like him and i think the, what what he was doing um, was likely to be very effective, was a, a courageous thing. But there are lots of different ways of advancing freedom, yeah, and everybody has to pursue it in their own way, in the ways that uh, um, that that are suited to their own personality and skills and talents and resources and all that. So and, I don't I don't think he necessarily wants everyone to be like him because in the speech in the video he did say there is a place in this grander movement for the moderates, right? Like, uh, that's not what he concluded about the audience uh, in this. Uh, now, I have to say that it's been a month since I heard the talk, so okay. I'm, not, I'm not as fresh in it as, but I... Yeah, he, he well, ended on a really sour note. He said he's, he's very uh, mad that there's uh, a bunch of moderates and, and no radicals. And, um, yeah, and I, but that, he's not wrong. Well, Is he wrong? Is there yes, radicals? Of course. Who are the radicals? What are they doing? What, what do you mean, a radical? I consider well, myself a radical. I consider MC a radical. Well, I consider some, somebody most of the who's there, who's um, basically pointing out bad laws and disobeying them on, on purpose. Right. And we're all doing that in our own path, in our own pattern. We do it in the classroom. We do it in articles we write. We write it. We do it in books. We do it in speeches. We do it in okay. Um, in the organizations that we organize and 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 he, and he also he pointed was, that out, right? He said that there is a disconnect when it comes to libertarian integrity because you'll point it, you'll you'll point it out, you'll write about it, you'll talk about it, you know, you'll you'll put books and letters together about it. But when it comes to acting on it, right, there aren't enough people taking action on it. No, no, no. Okay, what does he mean by action? Getting arrested? Yeah. And did that do, did that do any good for, um, for him when he was in jail? Why did he leave Russia ahead of the people who were going to arrest him? Because he would, thought that he could be more effective outside of jail than inside of jail. Sure. Well, uh, if the point of... of Action. I mean, if, if the way you demonstrate action is to uh, uh, do something that's going to get you arrested, well, that's not very good. He, he talked about a number of his friends that got, all got arrested. Yeah. I don't know their names. Nobody knows their names. He talks about them. He knows, he knows their names, but they're all arrested. They're put away for, how, I don't know, how many years. 
How good is that? Now, well, he let's, may let's think talk that that's about a like very the effective history. thing. Let's talk about the history of getting more liberties. A lot of it starts with civil disobedience. It does, then- but it also got... Yeah, but notice that... Uh, um, uh, uh, there are many, many paths to liberty. There isn't just that one path. Yeah, and that's that's kind of my point too. It's just one, you know, politics is just one part of life. Yeah, and if if the political thing is, uh, you know, you know, if you if that's what you think the end goal should be, then um, you had a pretty good solution for that. If you want to tell us about that. Okay, well, I, my solution, I've on record as saying this, if you want to win the, the battle of politics for libertarians, the solution is really simple. Libertarians just won't do it, and that's to lie to the public, right? Promise them what they want to hear and then deliver them freedom and demonstrate that through the delivery of more freedom and more liberty, not only do they still get what they want, but they get more of it and a higher quality of it as well. But libertarians want to, like, push their glasses up on their nose and come from, from a place of high moral superiority and they, they won't take that route. But it's, that's, that's how you win that game. And if libertarians are unwilling to do that because of some you know, moral sense or moral obligation to themselves, well then just don't play that game, right? Find another way to achieve your libertarian goals, but stay out of politics because that's how you win at politics. Right. Um, so there is an incentive to lie and to, to win in politics. Um, one of the things that, that Mikhail brought up in, the, in his talk, which I think was a good idea to bring up, is uh, the idea of incentives. Yeah. So, you know, in my personal life, I found a lot of incentives to be libertarian. I mean, just being brought into the, the cryptocurrency uh, community really, I mean, <laughs> who, who could ask for more than that, right? Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, he, he led it, he led it with a quote, uh, you know, like facts don't care about your feelings and then, and then reversed and says, feelings don't care about your facts. Um, and again, I've been saying this for years, like, I, I don't want to put you on the spot. So if you don't have the answer, cause I don't know the answer either. Like around what year did I first meet you and, and Ken? Was it like, Oh, 2009. Was it that? Okay. So like nine, 2009, 2000. So I've known you guys for like cl- over a decade or close to a decade. And I remember one of the first meetings that I, or meetups that I came to for like the Hawaii Agorist Social Club, right? I was pitching the idea to the others in the room that we ought not appeal to like the, the intellectual sensibilities of those we we're trying to convert to libertarianism or anarchism or whatever at the time because they don't respond to that sort of message, right? That what, what, what they respond to is appeals to emotion, right? The Republicans appeal to emotion, the Democrats appeal to emotion, and that's what, that's what gets those people on board. And I said, well, if, if that's what you want to do, like forget all the facts, forget all the logic, forget all the, like, the intellectual superiority and the fact checking and like the you know the the spouting off of statistics that libertarians have done for decades, right? And just appeal to their emotion, right? What do they want? Promise them that, and then use the yeah. mechanism of freedom to deliver it. But and I guy, was poo-pooing. But the government, the government goes after uh, somebody who doesn't pay their taxes, for example. And how do you get sympathy for that guy? Nobody cares. <laughs> you know, the Democrats and the Republicans are, are happy that someone goes to jail for not giving money to the state. Well, yeah, and if you're trying to appeal to him, right, that's, that's an easy convert. Because, like, this wouldn't happen, you know, if, if we had more libertarians and more freedom because libertarians wouldn't tax you as much, right? It, that's, the, the guy avoiding taxes is already partially on board. It's the people who like the handouts that like to oppress their neighbors, Right, that aren't going to convert to libertarianism based on facts, because when you present them the libertarian no, know, solution, I'm, I'm they're going to lose to, part of that. So, so where is this emotional draw for libertarianism? I, I really like Ken's uh, presentation uh, about uh, immigration. Yeah. Okay. Because that's that's obvious one. You can see individuals that are suffering, not being allowed to, you know free movement i mean that's just yeah it's really it's really sad and so 
so when, really when you, powerful. And but uh, you know, it, so when you go to the left and you're presenting libertarian ideals to the left, right? You say like open immigration would help you know all of these people and it would help your cause as well, right? It's it's a good thing for you. And then when you go to the people on the right, uh, you you tell them the exact same thing. You know, that they're not, they're, they're going to come here, but they're not going to steal your jobs. They're not going to get on welfare because we're not going to have those programs for them. Right. And go, okay. So I get, you know, I get cheaper food and I don't have to pay their welfare. Yeah. You're not going to pay their welfare, bro. They but can, it's not, they it's can not come here and we're going to put they, them to work. They want to not pay their welfare and not let them in. <laughs> so it's like, well, it's like, so it's, it's, it's one of those things where like the, the, the higher uh, use of force is usually the one that people gravitate to. Then just tell them we're going to keep them out, right? When you when right, you go when to you them. go to the people on the left, <laughs> you tell them you're going to let them in. And then when you go to the people on the right, you tell them you're going to keep them out, mm-hmm. right? And they go, I, you know, like Donald Trump, we're going to build the wall, right? We're going to keep keep those dirty Mexicans out, and then he let them all in anyway. And then build a bridge instead. Then build a bridge instead, <laughs> right? Like who cares? Because at that point it's too late, right? You de- you deliver them freedom. And then through through the through existing in a world with more freedom, um, if we are right about our philosophy, right, they will have more for less and be significantly better off. Yeah, I think I think this happened one time in history in uh, it was New Zealand, right, Ken? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The socialists got elected, and they introduced the most radical free market reforms. Uh, uh, of an industrial country in the 20th century. So so this theory that I've been pitching for like over a decade, right, has some historical basis for effectiveness, and yet libertarians well, won't do it. You, you well, fucking need to take the socialist to, you know, pretend to be socialist and put forth free markets. Yeah, but there's, there's another way too. Just, you know, run as a Republican or a Democrat. Yeah, and, and here in New Hampshire, part of the Free State Project, uh, that's what a lot of libertarians do, right? Uh, uh, there are more liberty-oriented Republicans uh, in the local in the local politics and local legislature than there has been, you know, in, in in all of history. And it's because they just go, you know, even even the governor, right? The governor came out with like some I don't know what the quote was, but he basically said like we have to stop these libertarians from running as Republicans because they're not Republicans. Uh, of course not but they run as Republicans and they slide right in there and they vote for libertarian things. So, right. so I, I there you go. I don't you, care how you do it. Maybe but it's deceptive. You need to it's re-examine your, your um, approach to this to say that it's okay to, to lie. And I, th- I think there's one thing about obscuring maybe what your intention is, but to outright lie, to tell them that you're going to give them whatever they want so that you get the power and then you can do what you want. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that doesn't work. That's the key to victory, man. When, when you, well, That's absolutely when you what works. When do, you, when do you have enough power? When do you feel like you've, you've done it enough? Now that you can be honest with it. Frankly, I don't think... I think people who become accustomed to compromising their principles, they're willing to lie to people uh, to get power, they never lose that desire to, um, to get more power. There's never enough power. Sure. And you'll never want to be honest. So I don't... I, the, I, well, and that's why libertarians that, well, lose. Libertarian... Well, like that's that was part of his speech. That's one of the reasons. It's it's useless because you yeah, won't compromise. I, well, Ken, Ken does have a, a point, though. I mean, it's not it's not gonna. Well, when ever, do you stop? Ever, yeah, when well, do you stop? Like, let's say you run for governor. Do you do you stop lying then, or do you wait until you run for president? No. Well, when you run for governor, you start implementing libertarian policies, and when it comes to re-election time, anything that you weren't able to implement, you blame on the other guy. Right, and then get reelected. Okay, That's, so you just have to be a better liar. <laughs> I'd have to Who say else that wins? in the case of in the case of the um, New Zealand uh, case, it wasn't a lie. It happened to be the Socialist Party, the Labour Party, that got elected. But the guy that was the mastermind behind the ideas was Sir Roger Douglas, uh, who wrote a book. There's got to be a better way, which he took the ideas of Hayek and. He said, these are the policies that will work. And so people weren't paying attention to it, probably. They are probably saying, well, the Labor Party is somebody else. They're going to make a, a difference. Um, but he didn't lie to them about what he was going to do. Actually, he told them exactly what he was going to do. Just like, and he took his pattern from uh, David Stockman, 
who was elected with um, Ronald Reagan. And, uh, I mean, not elected with, well, Ronald Reagan appointed me as uh, um, director of the Office of Management and Budget. Um, and he came up with a plan. And he said in his book, um, what people in politics usually want to do is they want to get elected, but they have no idea what they're going to, what their plan is. They're really eager to, to grasp somebody who's got a plan. And he happened to have a very good detailed free market plan that he proposed. And they, they, they ran for it because, well, you know, sure we got elected now let's do something. And that was the same thing in New Zealand. That was what happened with Reagan and his Reagan revolution. It's what happened in New Zealand with their um, Hayekian revolution. Well, it's hard. So it's it hard for me to buy that they're the socialist party. Then, if if you're running on a socialist platform, and then under your socialist platform, you all the tenants are like free market solutions, right? Then I I I dare say there's a deception there as well because then you're not really a socialist, and you should probably take that out of the name. But well, if you ran yeah, under yeah, the free market I, capitalist I party, I, you wouldn't I asked, get elected. Uh, Richard Preble at a conference here. He was he was here, and he was the assistant finance minister at the time. And I saw him in this uh, being interviewed in this film about New Zealand, and um, and the the interviewer said, you know, these radical free market reforms they don't normally associate these with uh, um, with um, socialism. Socialism. And I asked him that same question, and you're a socialist. And he says, yes, always have been, always will be. And as a socialist, my view of socialism was that every government favor was a privilege to some at the expense of the others. So his view of what socialism was was radically different. He wanted to help the poor people. He wanted economic um, uh, justice, and he believed that free markets provided that. So there wasn't a lie in that. It's a, it's a completely different perception than what people think of as socialism. But uh, even after uh, the, these um, radical free market reforms were implemented, he and Roger Douglas then decided, okay, we're going to leave the Labor Party when they abandoned it, the idea, and they started their own party, the, uh, the Action for Consumer and Taxpayers. And the same point was, these are going to help the poor people the most. And it, it wasn't a lie, as far as they were concerned. Well, of and course, I don't as think- far as they were concerned, because you have to morally justify it to yourself to feel good about it, right? It's, it's why the libertarian left and the mutualist and the, uh, what is it, the, the, the market agorist or whatever right, redefine terms to, to suit their position, which is why they always why fight with the capitalists. This, this moral high ground, that's why I'm a libertarian, because I ad- adhere to a moral principle. Good, then stay out of politics. Principle. I'm, this works in politics. It was, what's the solution to libertarians win an election? you got to lie to the electorate. If you don't want to or, get involved in politics, and Ken's you don't care point about is re, re, Or redefine you know, liberty for socialists. Yeah, yeah, go ahead. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, no, I think no, it is No, what you little... socialists and communists really are talking about here is free market economics. <laughs> and as soon as you guys accept the views of free market economics, then the communist party will take off. Right on. <laughs> because the best way to communism goes through free market capitalism. There you go. <laughs> there, are, there are libertarians who would agree with that. And I, I think the libertarian point on non-aggression principle is... Fine. If you want to do communism, try it out. Do it all you like. Just make it voluntary. That's the only problem with it. And that um, it's when they decide to impose it on everybody. But if you can, I mean, the the socialist concept or the collectivist concept exists um, all around us. It exists in families. It exists in churches. It exists in corporations. It's, it's, not an unheard of concept, but the thing, the difference between that and the state is that it's voluntary. Sure. Which, which is why you put the anarcho in front of it, right? Like that's, that's the theoretical difference between a capitalist and an anarcho capitalist. And also the well, theoretical I mean, difference between a communist and a narco communist, right? Yeah, we don't I, want state I, communism. We want voluntary communism. Well, you're not going to get it with me. So it's never going to work. You can't get everyone involved voluntarily. Well, I mean, I, I, prefer not even the term uh, anarcho. To me, I prefer voluntarism because anarcho has a lot of different meanings to a lot of different people. But it's the um, differentiator and, between those who want a communist uh, system that is all voluntary and those who want it that, uh, at the behest of the state. And same yeah, with capitalism. Why, why don't you use voluntarism? Because voluntarism doesn't, 
voluntarism itself doesn't account for the vast amount of different economic structures that could that could be formed under a voluntarist umbrella. It doesn't have to. If it's voluntary, it doesn't matter. If it's under a voluntary uh, umbrella, then it doesn't matter what the economic system is. And I, I would suggest it absolutely does because the 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 com the volun the volunt communists right want voluntary communism. They want like everyone to agree on that economic system, and it, it's voluntary under the voluntarist umbrella. But it's not a system that I personally want to participate in. I would prefer the voluntarist capitalist system, right, where everything happens voluntarily, but it's a more capitalist uh, economic system of mutually beneficial exchange, right? Okay, but so, you, but all you of that falls under the voluntarist or anarchist. Uh, there's, uh, you have the same issue with regard to the word anarchist, which is anarcho-capitalist or anarcho-communist. That's why I'm saying there's a hyphen there. It's to differentiate. Well, do well. Okay, yeah, that's fine. I'm like I'm I'm not an anarchist without that. hyphens, because I, okay. I absolutely think you need to differentiate on certain criteria, okay. right? And 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 anarcho capitalists will always say, well, when it comes to like the state getting involved in the market, right? That we'll say, well, that's not real capitalism. That's cronyism. Totally different thing, bro. And I go, well, no, that's capitalism. Right, that what you are looking at, cronyism, capitalism, same thing, which is why I put the anarcho in front of it. Right? Okay. The anarcho okay, capitalist I, I, differentiates I won't itself. Over the word at all. What's that, that? That's fine. Was, I won't quibble over the word at all. You're, I'm fine to accept that. But that, for, for those listening, that's why I do it. It, okay. it, it, it. it accentuates what we're actually talking about to avoid this confusion and not having to create new words. And the mutualists yeah, go I, like, well, you're just a confused kinda, mutualist. I go, fine. I kind of want to change the subject a little bit. Um, one of the things in Mikhail's speech was uh, he said there's only two options, submit or fight. And so I say there's actually two more. Um, okay. Maybe uh, decentralize. So secede. You can go to New Hampshire and, and uh, you know, set up your own uh, community there. Kick Working out all the, the, the cronies. Um, or you could leave. You could just, you know, go find a new place. Uh, we'll go to Antarctica and or or the ocean, and set up a you know a new system there. So some small example, right there. There were people here um, that left, and uh, you know it, it happens. People come, people go. It's part of the movement. Um, one of the people that I met here recently, like moved back to Texas or Oklahoma. I forget. I think she moved to Texas and then like made it up to Oklahoma. And so we're still friends on like social media and she posts on social media like, ah, oh, man, now I got to go to like the, you know, the, the school board meeting or whatever and fight the mask mandate there, right? The struggle never ends. I go, yeah. yeah. So if you, if you leave, right, if you, if like choosing to leave wherever you're at, um, to move to someplace more free, fine. But until there's that like, you know, 100% complete liberty, uh, anarchist utopia beacon on the hill to go to wherever you go you face the same two choices that Mikhail pointed out which is to fight it there or to submit or I'll say accept accept it there you know or or move again well, he, and then you run into the same two he issues. didn't do those he did what MC said he left well yeah but he's the wherever he's at he still faces the same two choices Right, or he's, four. he's still uh, what's that? <laughs> yeah, or, four. or four choices? Okay. <laughs> well, the same two choices that he, that he provided, right? You you fight yeah, there, submit, you submit, submit there, or fight, or you or, move or again, leave. and but wherever you go, you, you you're still facing it. So where you know, what are you going to do? Or, at, or, uh, at some point, you well, got to stop running. Yeah. Right. I, th one of the reasons, one of the reasons I moved here, and one of the reasons I'm glad that I moved here, is because the community that is already here in the community that is growing here, right? I would be comfortable making a last stand with, right? Like, no, 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 this is it. We're digging in our heels. And, you know, this, this, this is where the fight happens. Yeah, um, but I would, I would guess that Mikhail would count you as one of the um, ones who is not doing anything. Because, yeah, probably. Um, and, and I think that's wrong. I think Okay. You do things in your own way, at, in your own time, and on, of your own choosing. You know, you choose your battles, you choose and the, the, the time and place of that. He doesn't allow for that. 
it's got to be his way or, or you're not doing it. Well, okay. And let's get back to the idea of civil disobedience then, because like I said, th- throughout history, a lot of libertary, uh, a lot of liberty and freedom moves forward through civil disobedience, right? You, you right. someone gets arrested and acts out and pushes back against the state. And then if you're lucky, a movement forms behind that person. And then the politicians jump in front of the parade and move the goalpost, right? Like, okay, you, you get a little bit more free, you get more civil rights, right? You get the women's right to vote, you know, black people can ride the bus, right? What, you know, trans rights, whatever, whatever, whatever group you're with that's looking for more liberty and freedom or rights uh, under the state, right? There, there are those that push the envelope and they take the risk of getting arrested. Um, here, the closest example to that now is like the Crypto Six, right? We, we've talked about them here before. It's a big deal. Uh, nobody is finally out of jail. Um, the, the, the judge even said he's been illegally detained for six months, which was quite, quite an accomplishment uh, to get the judge to, to make that admission. Um, but they, you know, in this context, would be the civilly disobedient ones in the realm of pushing the cryptocurrency acceptance forward. Right. Let me let me uh, assert that there are probably millions and millions of people practicing civil disobedience all the time. For example, everybody who smokes marijuana, um, yeah, contrary to the laws of the of the state, is exercising a degree of of civil disobedience in their own manner. Yeah, and, and all of finally, the, every single time they're advancing the idea of more freedom without, and and, and you know, I would say. Yes, there's a risk of, of arrest, but they're not making a big public issue to try and raise it as a big political issue. Well, maybe they're where you're at. Exercising right? their, their, their um, um, preferences, how to live their own life, yeah. by minimizing their contact with the government. And one of, one, of the crypto, one of the crypto six pushed the issue, right? They did 420 smokeouts in the square every day at 420 or once a week or whatever it was. At 420, there was like hundreds of people gathered in the center of town to smoke marijuana, right? <laughs> Openly. Really? Yeah. And they arrested a black kid. And then what did they do? They like, <laughs> Are you kidding? They, they, as, after they arrested the black kid, they moved the protest right into the police station. So there's video on YouTube. <laughs> I don't know if it's been taken down. Of all these civilly disobedient activists, right, smoking <laughs> weed in the lobby of the police station. Going they actually like, can't arrest us all. One black kid out of this yeah, whole it was crowd. Fucking ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> wow. It was be- it was before my time, so I only witnessed this on YouTube. But yeah, they, you know they they show uh, hundreds of people smoking weed on the town square, and they find the one like <laughs> one kid, skinny black kid to like take to haul off away. Like bad optics on their part, but this was like pre Black Lives Matter as well. So who knows what would happen today? Uh, but either way, like the, there are those that push the issue, and whether or not they do it openly. Or like you said, in the comfort of their own home, just smoking weed. It's an act of civil disobedience. And look how the tide has changed over the course of however many decades, right? Like it's now okay in a lot of places, not all places, yeah. but in a lot of places. Yeah. And so, it's, so are they? So are they useless then? Are they useless? No, I don't think he would consider them useless though, because they're not the moderates. They're the ones who say like weed should be legal, and I'm going to smoke weed. Right. I think that right. he, what he would consider the moderates in that case is more people, I'm going to say like myself, because I don't partake, uh, is people go like, weed should be legal, you know, and, but then I don't go out and smoke a joint, right? And I don't, I don't push that issue out in public. I don't make a big deal of it. I just go, yeah, it should be legal. Like in, in, in that instance, I would probably be considered a moderate in his eyes, right? The uh, thing is, he, he, he's making this, this statement broadly about everybody in this room, in this conference room, except him, he doesn't know their stories. You know, there were probably three dozen of uh, people in there that, that uh, fled from uh, Venezuela to be at that meeting. Okay. They were very courageous. And, who, you know, he doesn't know what their story is, what they're doing um, back home. To, I mean, because they're, they're, you know, they're trying to keep a low profile so they don't jeopardize their families yeah. or whatever. Sure. But, but I also don't, don't like the idea that he says, you know, or he perceives himself as fighting. But the only reason he he perceives himself that way is because he's getting arrested, right? <laughs> yeah. So basically, if if it was if they if they had free speech in Russia, um, he wouldn't be getting arrested. 
Well, so then he wouldn't be necessarily fighting for anything maybe. by his own definition. Maybe that's an excellent point because then then everybody in the room is doing the thing um, that he would be doing and getting yeah. arrested for, but they're doing it because it's part of yeah, the freedom. We're, yeah. So technically, we were all doing the same exact thing as him, <laughs> except when he doesn't rush it, he gets arrested. Right. Yeah. However, because the situation is different, you can't say that if free speech was legal in Russia, he wouldn't do something else. Right. Well, what, well, what is he doing anywhere else then? I don't know. What is he doing? I don't. I've, I saw one he's, video. All, the only thing he's doing is talking, and that's what we all do. So, <laughs> and, and he, he's playing these videos showing what a great crowd he got at his rallies. Well, okay. There's no way of knowing from what he said what the thinking of is of the people in the audience. They're okay. they're rising up in rebellion against a sense of repression. Okay, but Good. that doesn't mean they become libertarians. I know some real good libertarians uh, guys who said they were libertarians uh, in order to sort of say that show their rebelliousness against the state but they were they were they were horrible in terms of the laws they wanted they wanted to imprison anybody who was gay you know that that's not a libertarian but the, you know but they uh, they just they they're rallying around a guy who's popular who's like a pop star Okay. And there's no way of knowing what, and what message was actually coming across, especially and when it's also, teaching Hoppy. It's, it is good to, be, to have young people be rebellious against the state almost always, but right. um, it, it can uh, produce you know, good or bad outcomes also. So. Right. Um, and and, and I, don't, I, don't, I don't necessarily want to take his defense on his video with the big crowds because you're right. Could have been anything. I don't know either. Uh, but I don't that wasn't necessarily part of his message either. That was what he was using to produce as evidence of his credibility to speak on the issue. Right. Sure. I can speak here because look, I've spoken in front of hundreds of thousands. Right. But I can but sing his, at your his, church because I've, I've, you know, did a concert at Carnegie hall. But his main point is resist the state and you can become popular. Okay. And a lot of people, even, even on the YouTube video are, even making comments that like, oh, he's he's the populist libertarian. It's like, okay, well, the only reason he's popular is because he's getting arrested. And that could well, simultaneously doom him. If he gets arrested and put away for a long time, then he won't be popular. Right. And if he stops getting arrested, then he'll have, you know, who cares then? So, okay. <laughs> it's so, funny. I, I asked him, what about Novotny, who's in, in prison? He said, Novotny should not have come back to Russia. He was more effective outside of the country. Once he came back on principle and got arrested, that was the end of the story for him. He'll be he'll be out of the picture as he disappears over time and becomes diminished by health and everything. Well, and <laughs> unless unless Mikhail organizes a whole bunch of people to have a, a a conference at the prison where the guy's staying, then they go, "Hey, while we're here, why don't we just uh, end this prison?" <laughs> <laughs> and he and, might, and something like that could happen, but yeah. you know, until it does, is he really fighting or is he just doing what we're doing, talking? <laughs> so exactly. uh, let me go back to my civil disobedience point for briefly, because again, in my mind, the civil disobedience happens on like an inverted bell curve, right? You, you sure. can't do it forever. And, and so you have to like maximize your effectiveness when you can. So, yeah, yeah. The, so the, that was kind of Ken's point too. But so the reason to do civil disobedience, right. And to get arrested and to garner the popularity that he did is to then inspire more people to do civil disobedience so that mm-hmm. you yourself can take a break from the activity. Right. You know, like, I asked some of the people in Venezuela about this guy, Guido, you know, the, the one who's standing up to Maduro. And I said, is he um, now a, a, a good alternative to Maduro? And they all told me, no, he will be just as bad. It's just that he's going to be, uh, he'll, he'll have the, the, the sanction of all the countries of the world and they'll be able to open up trade and everything like that. But, you know, he may respect... Uh, a, democ- a democracy, but he's going to be just as socialist and, and as repressive as, as Maduro. That's wow, what they told o- me about But him. if he opens up so, trade, right, then no, it, it, it'll be let it go. better, but it won't be, uh, it won't be freedom. And that's, that's part of the problem why I don't necessarily want to help people in Venezuela because all they want is the corrupt guy gone. They don't, <laughs> they don't actually want freedom. Yeah. And so it's like, I, when I talk to them, it's like, yeah, I feel for you, but 
you know, you're all suckers. So okay. what, you, what do you want? <laughs> I mean, walk before you run, man. Multi, multi-level steps to, you know, to, to get in freedom. And step one, get the corrupt guy gone. And if they put in another corrupt guy, start over again. You got to get him gone too. Like, they, you know, you yeah, got to get him out somehow before and you that's, can and that's, take the next steps. And so when I talked to them, I, I presented the more uh, use of force to, to, to win. I said, you know, how about we uh, smuggle guns in, in, you know, there's a lot of guns in there already from the, from the uh, gangs and the drug cartels. Um, but, you know, that's, that's the way force works there. And so you have to meet it with that. You know, you can't just be like, oh, we're going to vote to weigh the, the corruption. I mean, that's, yeah. <laughs> they're not going to let you do that. So, um, and, and they didn't like my, my solution, you know. I said, we can get a whole bunch of people, you know, gun-toting gun uh, ex-Marines from Texas that, that actually want action. We can go in and, you know, we can, we can create an organization like Executive Outcomes, which is private military, and we can do it. Um, and we can get funding from people in the U.S., and we can do it. But they don't want that. They don't want a, okay. a, a forceful, unless, which, which is really weird to me, what they really want is the U.S. government, not all, not all of them, but a lot of them want the U.S. government and the U.S. military to go in and, and solve it. So they right? want a public display of violence instead of a private display of violence. Okay. Like- I, I, and I say, you know, I'm, I'm kind of with uh, uh, Ron Paul and um, what's the female that ran for president? Joe Jorgensen? Not Joe Jorgensen, not libertarian. Um, she ran as a Democrat. Tulsi oh, Gabbard? Come- Tulsi Gabbard, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, the, you know they wanted um, no no U.S. military involvement, and I'm kind of with them, um, but I'm not against use of force to to get rid of uh, yeah Maduro. So I think um, in in your context, your solution would be in alignment with what Mikhail is talking about in the video, right? And the, and the fact that those people don't want to accept that as a credible viable solution, right, leads me to the same conclusion that you did. And it's, they're probably not worth helping them. Yeah. Right. So it's, yeah, that, and that's kind of what I'm saying. So, you know, that they, they are okay with the U S government coming in and, and supposedly setting everything right, but they're not okay with, uh, coming up with a free market solution. Yeah. So, or, so, or any solution that involves them doing anything. It's yeah. like, it's really, you know, I don't know. It's, it sounds it's like Afghanistan, right? You train yeah, the whole bunch of military like and they could take yeah. over by the Taliban in three days. So it, yeah, it sounds, it sounds just like it. So in, in that case, right, your third option seems viable. Leave, right? right. Get out while yeah, you and, and a lot of people did, did leave, and there's a lot of people. There was, there's four people at the conference that, that uh, es- escaped through the Venezuelan border uh, just to go, come to the conference, and then they're going back into Venezuela. They're risking yeah. their lives to do that. And I, I thought that was strange too, you know? Like, um, I mean, I'm sure it's exciting. And, and if uh, I were there, I, I would call them stupid. To their face, yeah. well, at so, the risk of like offense. Three years or four years at medical school or law school, and they had to finish up their degrees. Um, I mean, and the men maybe they have to take care of their families. I mean, there's huge stories behind each of them. Some of them did stay and took up the offer uh, to actually get a job as uh, to to learn English and and to get yeah. training, and and they took up help. But others, I don't know, they. We'd have to know them better to know yeah. what their real backstory. No, I would, and, I would explain not, to them I'm the sunk cost them. fallacy. And, yeah. you know, how important is it to finish your degree in Venezuela while the entire country is collapsing and people are starving? Or you can get out while you still can and forego however many years you put into that degree and just rebuild where it's well, going to be fam- a lot easier. Family ties complicate things. Understood. You know, if you've got family there... You're not just thinking your degree. You're thinking of, uh, you know, a lot of unfathomables. I mean, I, yeah. you know, you know. Look once again, we get I get married it. and have kids, and and we have parents that are elderly and struggling. I mean, if you suppose your parents are are struggling to survive, they can't just survive on their own. They they count on younger generation to help them get the meal that. So on that day. on social media, I have all already suggested that based on the current like trajectory that Hawaii is on, right, that the whole entire fucking archipelago 
needs to sink into the Pacific and take everyone <laughs> with it. Now, bear in mind, I have family there, but they have all ignored multiple warnings of mine, right? That it would probably be in their best interest to uh, get the fuck am out I of brother, Hawaii. Am I a family member? <laughs> I, if you want to be a family member, fine, but you it won't matter if I sink. <laughs> you know better by now. Right, you know where there's like a better opportunity to get things done, and choose to stay in Hawaii, and I have zero sympathy for the people that choose to stay and ride the ship down, like you know, after it hits the iceberg, right? Like you know, it it's coming. I've already, you know, I've also already declared, like amongst friends and on social media, uh, that Australia has fallen. Right. <laughs> yeah. if, if you are still in Australia or New Zealand and you have the opportunity to leave and illegal, you know, illegally emigrate or legally emigrate away from that. And you're like, nope, fucking, uh, you know, I love my Aussie blood, and my Aussie family and fucking New Zealand is the right, wrong accent for me. Uh, it's, <laughs> it's tough shit. Like, you know, they, the, the, the recent thing, I think the, the recent story that came out of Australia where I made this declaration is they now have to like put an app on their phone. Right. And then at, at, at any, you know, at a, at a random interval, they'll get a ping on their phone and they have 15 minutes to take a picture and submit it to the government that they are where they say they are. And if they don't send that picture within 15 minutes, the police are dispatched. I go, fuck that. I'm gone. <laughs> if you did that, well, I'm gone. If, if that was true, that's true. That's then, not a false well, story. No, that's mean, not a Babylon B thing. I, I know that's but, mainstream news for Australia. Australia so, has fallen. Well, well, let me get my concept out. Uh, ima- well, imagine you have gun rights still, and then and and you want to get rid of some <laughs> some cops. Uh, that that would be a good way to know exactly when they're going to show up. <laughs> Except for the fact that the reason <laughs> they can do this in Australia it. is because they did the mandatory gun buyback several years ago, right? And yeah. banned all the assault weapons. <laughs> yeah. Right. Yeah, I don't. I don't know how how many uh, privately owned guns there are. I don't think it's very much in Australia. Not as much they, as there they, was they, a few years ago, and not as much right. as they need to repel this kind of nonsense. Right. But it's it's also it's kind of like Venezuela, though. Like, oh no, shooting people that are trying to put me in prison is is a uh, it's not what we want to do. You know, we don't we don't hate the cops. It's like, well, <laughs> maybe you should. <laughs> Venezuela has fallen. If you're still there. You know, I, I, I care very little if you're in Venezuela and you choose to stay there in the midst of this collapse, right? Like, if, if you said, like, I am in Venezuela, I am doing my goddamnedest to get out, right? Either help me get out or send me guns and I will die on this hill, right? Then we can have a conversation about, like, well, your next best course of action. You know, get out sounds great if you've got someplace better to go, but not necessarily. I mean, you, you consider somebody leaving Venezuela. Um, uh, Colombia's already got about 2 million Venezuelans in there, and uh, a lot of them have been granted legal status, but that doesn't mean they've got a job or they've got a, okay. uh, a place to live. I mean, there's, there's a, a lot to take into consideration when you're going to a place that's uh, potentially hostile to you, you know? Um, Understood. But are you suggesting that the best course of action is to remain in Venezuela and starve? No. Each person's judgment about their own situation has to be their judgment, not my judgment for them. And I don't know what I would do, actually. I mean, I'm still here in Hawaii. Things are not as as bleak as all, as you. All the Venezuelans it. should go to New Hampshire. <laughs> yeah, fuck yeah. it, I don't care. Hey, good, good. Except, I would I would not say that because, um, even though I just did, uh, a lot of them are socialists. <laughs> yeah. They just don't like the the they just don't like Maduro, and that's that's my frustration with it. You know, it's just like. You know, they don't actually want freedom. Oh, uh, yeah. Then you're going to be in real trouble. They'll outvote those libertarians yeah. at the Free State yeah, of course. Project. They'll, no. they'll, they'll <laughs> vote somebody fight. in like Maduro. No, then you fight. Right? That's the thing. This, this, this is where the battle takes place. For me, this is where the battle, take, the battle takes place here. This is where we fight. The last stand, right. if there's going to be a last stand, it happens here. Every place else will fall far before uh, New Hampshire falls, especially with the, the, the concentration of liberty-minded individuals that are, you know, are moving here. Um, so if the socialists come in 
and like start to take office, there will be pushback. And I don't know, it doesn't have to come down to violence, but I'm not against it. Right. You, you want well, to buy I me some guns? I'll, there's, I'll there's, a sh- there's a short term immediate view. Yeah. The violence is justified. There's a longer term view. It doesn't necessarily improve your situation. I mean, uh, in the long run, uh, a violent society doesn't not necessarily result in a in a freer outcome. It could be a, become a much re- more repressed outcome. You don't know exactly, and you might you know if you die too, or you get get shot and maimed or wounded, you land up in prison. Uh, those aren't better outcomes for you. Yeah, and and all the historical evidence points to the fact that the the more capable the populace is uh, able to defend themselves, the more free they remain. Right. We, we don't we don't have to take a picture of our location and submit it to the government here yet. Right. And there's dare that, I say for, there's a reason for society for that. as a whole. But for the guy who takes the bullet and goes down, um, you know, which one is more important? You do you consider society as a whole or do you consider your own life more important? Uh, I personally only consider my life more important. However, I have also made the case for collective defense here on the show as well, right? Like yeah. me, me, the individual is not going to go up against the state uh, by myself, right? right. I, I, and if I, if, if it comes to that, if it's, you know, get on, take the, take the picture of your location or, you know, shoot it out. And at that point, it might be shoot it out for me personally, right? And, and this is, again, part of what Mikhail was saying. If that happened right? Libertarians should not, uh, should not abandon me and my cause, right? So like, well, he was just one of the crazy ones. We're not associating with that type of action because that is exactly the action that radical libertarians should be taking in that situation at that time, right? And but what his point was, the, the, the left, right, does not necessarily abandon their radicals, uh, when when they do radical things, and the right, eh, maybe to a lesser much to a much lesser extent than the left, doesn't abandon the radicals when they do radical things. But anytime a libertarian gets violent against the state, right, all of a sudden they're well, they're they're, they're not one of us, right? There must have been some other faction that they belong with. And well, I think that, his point was that those sweep. people need I to be. I think you find a lot of very radical libertarians, and you know who. I mean, I, they, there's a, a wide range of different responses among libertarians, just as there is in any group. Yeah. How do you feel yeah. about Marvin Heemeyer? Who's Marvin Heemeyer? Uh, he was. I'm the, sorry to say. Okay. He he was the the guy that um, built a tank around his his tractor and drove through town uh, for uh, into the all the government buildings of people on the town council that tried to to close down his muffler shop. <laughs> they made a movie out of it, tread. <laughs> I have to look it up. Okay, he Actually, he's I, the guy, I, right? He built the tank, and he only attacked government offices or you know people who were part of the town council um, that were purposefully enacting laws to to close down his muffler shop and put him out of business. And there were no civilian casualties. Was right? this a, a shooting tank? I mean, he was able to. No, it was a uh, a bulldozer that he put concrete around. Yeah. So, okay. So it, it and was steel. bulletproof. That it, he bulletproofed it. And he had a fifty cal inside that he was, you know, he shot at things, but no, no casualties. Just millions of dollars of property damage around town. <laughs> killdozer. That's the word I was looking for. He built the killdozer. Yeah. Send me the link. I'd like to see it. Yeah, uh, we'll watch yeah. it today. Okay. okay. There you Good. go. Hey, I've got to uh, head out, but um, uh, I loved this session. This was a lot of fun. Okay. Yeah, and I think we'll probably revisit there, there was a lot of good concepts that Mikhail brought up. Um, I don't think they were all spot on and I think they were self-serving in a lot of ways, but um, I think he does th- you know, bring up things that need to be uh, solved. Um, the incentive one, I think we need to talk about more. Okay. Um, Remind me next week know. and we'll, we'll, how, how much, with that. how much time we got left. And we, we could wrap it there we've hit the hour mark if that's what you're aiming for. So once I perfect, probably be a couple minutes short once I, Take out all the pauses and ums and whatevers. Uh, so yeah, we can this, wrap it this up. This was fun. This all right, we'll just wrap it up I then. Like uh, final thoughts, either? No, thanks. 
All right, that'll Aloha. do it for us then. You guys know where to find us, anarchistexperience.com, on Telegram, t.me slash anarchistexperience, or t.me slash theanarchistexperience. Again, we do the show on Clubhouse, so find the club, The Anarchist Experience, or follow me individually, at Riches for Rich, R-I-C-H-E-S, the number four, R-I-C-H. And if you'd like to contribute to the show financially, you can do so through Patreon, patreon.com slash theanarchistexperience. Thank you very much for listening, and we'll talk to you all next week. Peace. Aloha.